entitled our message, God's Design of a Family. This is our part one um, of, um, uh, for this part. Um, I think the teachers have decided to keep the small, the small children will go to their classrooms, but the grade school class will stay here. Um, because the parents are thinking this is going to be a good message for you guys. <laughs> All right. So uh, please make sure your cell phones are turned off, by the way, or in silent mode. In our previous studies, in our journey in the book of Ephesians, we discovered what the Lord expects from a Christian wife, right? This has been a long time, but hopefully you guys can still remember. And a Christian husband. And what a spirit-filled marriage should be, right? Hopefully you guys remember those messages. If not, go to our YouTube channel, which our brother Larry and sister Loretta are faithfully uh, loading the, the messages there. Or we also have the podcast, which Mikey and John John uh, uploads in, in, in it's on uh, Apple and Spotify now a recap will be nice correct because it's we went from resurrection and road to the cross and Christmas right so the recap of the book of Ephesians in our journey the first part is the divine purpose the glory and headship of Christ that was in chapter 1 verse 3 to 14 the second was a prayer that Christians may realize God's purpose and power that's chapter 1 still verse 15 to 23 and then we went to steps toward the fulfillment of God's purpose chapters 2 and 3 and then we went to salvation of individual by grace chapter 2 verse 1 to 10 then the reconciliation of Jew and Gentile through the cross that's chapter 2 verse 11 to 22 and then uniting of Jew and Gentiles in one household verses 19 to 22 revelation of god's wisdom through the church that was chapter 3 verse 1 to 13 prayer for deeper experience of god's fullness chapter 3 verse 14 to 21 and then we got the practical ways to fulfill god's purpose in the church that was chapter 4 verse 1 to chapter now chapter 6 um, there's unity maturity renewal of personal life and in the um, difference in personal relationships and tonight uh, we're going to be talking about parents and children amen, amen. <laughs> the children are like well man this is a wrong Sunday to come <laughs> this I should have skipped this Sunday um, so uh, this is the verse uh, children obey your parents in the Lord let me repeat, children, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. Verse 2, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, with a promise, so that it may, it may go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 to 4. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for... Javen and Jaden, Lord God, in their young life, Father, they've um, made the decision to live for you in, in their, their own way. We pray that you continue to encourage them and mature them, Lord God, to live for you and be a great testimony for you and to bring people to you and to your love. I pray now, Lord God, for the people that are here in this building. I pray for their hearts and their minds to be open for your message, Lord God. We ask for your Holy Spirit 
to reveal to us anything and everything that you want us to learn and accept about you, about your ways, about your will for us. Forgive us, Lord, for all of our sins. Let nothing, Lord God, about us and, and the things that are distracting us hinder us from hearing you and responding to you. Be with us, Lord, and teach us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now, children, right? Children, for the parents here, uh, we know that it's a, it's a blessing and a curse at the same time, right? <laughs> Some parents are like, oh, I don't know, man, don't do this to me. But here, here's a Ralph Waldo Emerson when he said, a child is a curly, dimpled lunatic. That's what he said. And here's a, another one by Marceline Cox. Uh, children in a family are like flowers in a bouquet. There's always one determined to face in an opposite direction from the way the arranger desi desires. Now, the Greek word for obedience is hupakuo. Hupakuo. Um, so I was uh, doing, uh, I went hiking with the guys uh, yesterday. And there is a part in the hike, or you guys remember it, where there's two rocks and there's the bridge. So I almost hit my head and I went, Hupakuo. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I did say it though. I go, Hupakuo. But it's, but it's Hupakuo means to be obedient, to submit to, to listen to, as one who, upon to knock at the door, comes to listen who it is. Hupakuo, obedience. Now, there's, in obedience, there's also submission, correct? Because you have to submit. Now, this command comes from the great Apostle Paul, the writer of most of the New Testament. And he uses as his reference to validate this statement the sixth of the Ten Commandments from Exodus 20.12. Now, in speaking about wisdom, it reads, Proverbs 3.16 says, Long life is in her right hand, in her left, riches and honor. Now, children, I hope I have your attention right now. Here's the point. A young person who is smart enough to realize that the Lord had placed your mom and your dad in your life, is there's a reason. It's the reason that you can escape many of life's trials and hardships. Do you agree? The parents agree. But children, sometimes they don't, you know. Children find their parents as always strict. Uh, or people that are against them having fun. Or the killjoys. Right? We don't understand them anymore. It's a different society. It's a different culture. But is it really? You know, have you asked around? Have you really looked into the statistics on how many ch children that were abandoned by their parents and how their lives were compared to yours? Do you have enough friends who are very disobedient to their parents that have a very good life? No. Parents are always after the, ben the benefit of their children. It's always the case. Now, are there bad parents? Yes. But just like broken clocks, they are right twice a day. So maybe, maybe, right? So if we would only listen, like for me, this is my own testimony. If I would have just listened when I was younger to my parents, mostly my mom, a lot of my regrets won't be a regret right now. Mainly one is my studies. 
I focused more on stupid things than my studies. And my mom was always telling me, study well, because your diploma can never be taken away from you. And you could just have fun later on. But no, I knew better and I paid for it. Now, from this acquired wisdom that your parents and all the people that grew up in making mistakes, we have acquired wisdom from our experiences. Whether we like it or not, parents, amen? Yeah, because most of those things, the wisdom we acquired came from the mistakes that we've done. Now, these three verses are simply saying that a Christian young person should trust the Lord to work through their parents. To trust the Lord to work through their parents for their benefit and blessing. Now, here's a quote from C.S. Lewis when he said, We do not fail in obedience through lack of love, but have lost love because we have never attempted obedience. Now, there's a lot of resistance here. There's a lot of resistance between the family and children obeying to their, to their parents. Why? Just watch a Disney show. I don't know, for, for, some, for those of you who have, don't know, um, don't have kids or never watched a Disney movie with their kids, you will see in their shows that their, their children, the children are very disrespectful to the adults. The, the fathers are made fun of. And then the moms are the boss of the family. And in the children, it's a child-centered family instead of a Christ-centered family. Now, this command is for Christians. The Christian Romans, during the time when Paul wrote this, Romans had a very, very different way of raising their kids. The fathers had ultimate power over the family. Now, according to one of my readings, if a Roman father sees the baby and he picks up the baby, the baby will live. Is basically accepted to the family. But if the baby, if the father does not pick up the baby, the baby will either be sold to slavery or to just be tossed in the street to die. And it wasn't against the law. So for Paul to write this and send it to the Christians is a very great way to say Christian families are different from the world's family. So some of you are asking, probably wondering, maybe you should be wondering, right? So does that not apply to unbelievers? So you know what? Society, different cultures, mostly not Americans though, most Asian um, culture respects the parents and the elderly. It is in there. And are the, parent, are the children who respect their parents, whether or not they're Christians, are they blessed ultimately? Yes, because it's a principle. The principle to listen to somebody who's already been there, whether they're Christians or not, they will be blessed. And whether you're a Christian or not, whether, even if you are a Christian and you think you're supposed to be blessed, because you're God's child, one of God's children, but you are disobedient to your parents, the principle remains. You might be a Christian, but you will be a bum. You will have a hard life because you don't listen. You did not listen to your parents. So the, princip the principality of listening to somebody who's already been there stays, whether or not they're Christians. But 
the principle of this, the command of this, is by Christian belief. So Christian parents are the ones. So again, if we go back to the verse, um, Nick, can you help me bring it back to the first verse? Um, I think I have it there. Yeah, so see that? See there, children, obey your parents in the Lord. So parents, if you are a Christian, but yet you are not studying God's word, what are you supposed to tell your children? Because they are to obey you in the Lord, as if they're obeying God, right? That's, that's the concept of that. Now, the Filipino culture is different, right? The Filipino culture is, we respect our parents, and whatever they say is the law. I brought you in the world, I can take you out of it. <laughs> That's their rule. That's the rule, right? So you better listen to your parents, whether you like it or not. That's, that's, no, no, is that biblical? No, it's not biblical. Children, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. Look here. In Acts, we can jump to Acts chapter 4, verse 19 to 20. Peter and John answered them, Whether it's right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. For we are unable to speak, uh, to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Now this is, this is my explanation for this verse. We must understand that the Lord sets up several authorities in our lives. And I like to see it as a hierarchy. A hierarchy is a system or organization in which people or groups are ranked, right? Hierarchy is ranking one above the other according to status or authority. So, please listen. We are to obey the laws of the land. One, Christians. Wives, we are to submit. Wives, you are to submit to your husbands. Children are to obey their parents. And then, we, all of us, workers, employees, we are to submit to our employers at work. And certainly above all, we are, as Christians, above all, to submit to the Lord. So how can you fix a certain dilemma? You know, the Lord is not ignorant of the fact that these authorities will occasionally conflict each other. Our boss at work may tell us to do something ungodly. The government may make a law against something that Christians are supposed to do, like go to church. And sometimes parents may ask us to do something that is wrong. In all these cases, the answer is always the same. We must obey God before men. If the two are in conflict, we are to follow God first. Amen? It's easier said than done. Now, for instance, when the officials of Jerusalem told the apostles that they could no longer teach in the name of Jesus, Peter replied, we ought to obey God rather than men. That is, when men command us to do something in direct conflict with God has told us to do, we are to obey God first. On another occasion, Peter and John, whether it be right in the sight of God to uh, hearken unto you more than unto God, you judge. For we cannot speak the things which we have seen. We cannot stop to speak about the things we have seen and heard. 
Though Christians are clearly commanded to obey the laws of the land, an exception is to be made for those laws that run counter to the direct commandments of God. Now this was challenged. This was tremendously challenged in 2020. For some, it's still being challenged right now. Now, for our topic tonight, this applies to children obeying parents as well. Although the authority of parents is probably even greater than of the state, which I agree with, the parents have all the right with their children, not the other way around, unless the parents are abusive, hurting their children physically, molesting them, right? That's when the state can take over with the children. Now, this is seen in, very, in, in, very, in this very verse. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Children are to obey their parents in the Lord. Now, I believe this is how it's explained. For instance, if a parent commands a child to steal, right? It will be right for that child to disobey his or her parent in that matter. Now, the Christians here are saying, they're so, they're so ridiculous, Pastor. We're not going to ask my child to steal from me. How about when you park in a handicapped spot, but you're not handicapped? How about when you tell your child, tell them I'm not here, tell them. Because it was a creditor that was calling for the money that you're owed. How about when you tell your child that when you get to church, when we get to church, tell them it was you, that's why we were late, okay? <laughs> Or when you come to church because you missed three weeks and then you, and your child hears you, oh, hey, where you been? Oh, you know, I've been sick. And then your child will go, no, you weren't. Right? <laughs> How about those things? And then you get them, I told you to tell them. Now you're grounded. Right? That is when a child can disobey you, folks. That is when a child can disobey children. That is when you are to disobey your parents if they're telling you something that is not correct in line with the word of the Lord. Now, however, <laughs> I do not want to give the wrong impression that ungodly parents, too, lose all authority over their children. Because I said this is like mostly Christian, right? <sighs> Again, I said even broken clocks are right twice a day. But... Ungodly parent may honestly, an ungodly parent may honestly look at the welfare of their children. We can say that. They can, even if they're ungodly, even they're unbelievers. They might have the, the best for their children in mind. It is only, this is, again, this is the only time a child must disobey or can disobey. It's when a parent causes the child to disobey God first. Okay, An ungodly parent retains his or her authority as long as it is used in the things allowed in the Lord. Because the command is, children, obey your parents in the Lord. In the Lord. Now, children, you should be happy that after talking to you now, we're going to be talking to your fathers. <laughs> then Paul turns to his Christian fathers the priest of the home with a little instruction. And you, 
Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Now, the Greek word translates provoke to uh, exasperate, to enrage, to inflame. In other words, Christian parents are not supposed to pick on their children and make their life unbearable. For most children, they think that that means no grounding, no restrictions, no curfew, or anything that might otherwise keep them from doing whatever they want to do. But that is not what the scripture means at all. What this verse does mean is that parents should not purposely try to discourage their children by picking on them. A parent is in a child's life for the very purpose of training and admonishing them in the Lord, warning them in the Lord, teaching them in the Lord. Now, if you or have been a parent, then you know the meaning of this verse. The next verse is coming up. If you're a child, you probably only know about the first part of it. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. That's all the children will know. <laughs> Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Now, I don't know about you, but I never like disciplining my children. It's uncomfortable. Parents don't enjoy disciplining their children. It's a hard thing to do. And it's almost easier not to do it in the moment. Just let it go. Let the day pass by. Keep the peace at the house. But because we love them, we discipline them. Sometimes we have to do the hard thing to keep a child from failing. That's how God deals with us. Look at Hebrews 12, 6. For the Lord disciplines the one He loves and punishes every son He receives. Now this is, this is the discipline part and then the uncomfortable, uh, un uncomfortable uh, uh, part of it makes a lot of homes not to be Christ-centered but has become child-centered. What's a child-centered uh, family instead of a Christ-centered family? The child runs the family. The mood of the child, that will be the mood of the family. People will eat when he or she is ready to eat. The parents will go to church when their child is ready to go to church. If their child's not ready to go to church, oh, you know, sorry, we miss church. My child doesn't want to come. Who's, what, what's the verse? Children, obey your parents. But some of the parents, it, it, the verse for some parents becomes, parents, obey your children. Now that's wrong. I don't know which verse you have, have read to, to end up thinking that, oh, because of my love for my child, I will do this for them. Now, as noble as that may sound, you have to know that if you belong to the Lord, you must obey God first too. Now there's many verses that will show that if you spoil your child, your children will only become... Imagine a baby that throws a tantrum, right? 
kicks and whines and cries. At first, you're probably like, oh, so cute. My baby's so cute. And you tell everybody at work, you know what my child did when I didn't want to give them this? And he started doing this. She started doing that. And everybody's laughing. And everybody's oh, so cute. You're so blessed. But then when the kid becomes six foot six, 240 pounds, and still has the same attitude, are you still going to your work and your coworkers say, oh, you know what my son did when I didn't want to give him the car he wanted me to buy? No. No, it's a different conversation. You go to work and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I've done. My child no longer wants to go to church. My child never wanted to do this. Now he's doing this. She's doing that. You know, it, because why? Because you never really took the time from the very beginning to tackle the uncomfortable discipline. Because it is uncomfortable. Now, the children are a privilege, right? They're a gift from God. They are a heritage. We have them only for a time. We are given the responsibility to raise them as God-fearing men and women. We have the responsibility to lead them to the Lord. But a lot of that is caught better than taught. And men, you are given, we are given the responsibility, first and foremost, to raise them in the Lord. Now, I, am, I find it very uncomfortable when I speak to my brothers and say, well, you should talk to your child about this. Oh, I, I only tell them, go speak to your mom. You, because you're too afraid. You're too afraid to be the bad guy. Is that it? I get it. I don't want to be the bad guy all the time too. But I'd rather obey God rather than men. Now, by the order of the Lord in this commandment here in Ephesians 6, 4, they cannot always give their child, us parents, we're not always allowed to give our child everything they want. Because not everything they want leads to godliness. Amen? <laughs> Maybe. We'll try. I have 19 more minutes. Please notice that at least in this verse, Paul considers in the father's responsibility to train the children in the Lord. Now that doesn't mean that the mom shouldn't participate. Right? Again, that's why the family's attacked. Because the enemy wants a divided house. The mom thinks the, the dad's not, not leading enough. The dad thinks the mom's such a dictator. So in front of their child, they argue and they're not a united front. And then the children are so smart. Children, you are smart. You know what you do? You use each party against each other. Right? Mom said no. And you're like, oh, you're going to go to dad. Now you're going to go to dad. Because you know there's conflict brewing there. So you're like, I can take advantage of this. And you go to dad, and then dad will say, what did mom say? <laughs> right? Well, if whatever mom says, I'm done. You know, I don't want to get in trouble with her. <laughs> well, no, but sometimes they will, they will butt heads because of the child. Now, the next logical question should be for a parent. It's like, okay, Pastor Joe, you've already made me feel bad enough. Tell me how to do it. It's in the Bible. Praise God, it's in the Bible. And it's not in my opinion. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 18 to 21. These are uh, here. Therefore, you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign on your hand. 
and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, speaking to them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, like the days of the heavens above the earth. Now notice these verses speak of three methods of teaching our children and two attitudes from which these te teaching must take place. First, we must know the ways of the Lord so we can teach them to our children. That's a challenge. Because we have to know that we are teaching them in the Lord, biblically. Second, these things need to be a part in the practice of our lives. We're just not preaching it, we're also practicing it. Not just something we want our children to live by. Do what I say, don't do what I do, doesn't go far enough. Now, otherwise, it becomes a, everybody, everybody hates that, right? We hate it when we're told, right? We'll see cops on their phone, right? Don't, don't you, have you seen uh, cops on their phone or in the computer while driving on the freeway? <laughs> and you're like, look at this guy, man. He's going to give me a ticket if they catch me. Because we, we don't like that. If we're told to do a certain thing, we expect them to do likewise, right? But we as parents, sometimes we don't do that. We, we tell them, guys, be honest, don't lie, follow God. Right? But does that only come for them or does it also count for us? Now here's a, here's a story by, uh, about Johnny, young Johnny. Now Johnny reached for the phone one Saturday and his dad sighed through his teeth. If it's the guy from the office... Tell him I'm not home. That evening, the family went out for dinner. Before leaving the restaurant, Johnny's dad looked at the check and mentioned that the waitress had, had undercharged them. And then he said, that's their tough luck. And the mom goes, praise God. <laughs> they weren't honest enough. On the way home, they joked about the, the radar box that the dad had brought for, uh, for his car that was in his dashboard. And then he said, this has paid for itself because without this, I would have gotten so many speeding tickets because I have always drive very fast. But then later that night, as Johnny finished his Sunday school lesson, he thanked the Lord that it had been a good Saturday, much better than last weekend because last Saturday, his parents grounded him for cheating on his math test. See? They punish the child for cheating in his math test, but in their life they show they weren't honest enough to tell the waiter that they were under charge. They're not obedient to the laws of, of, of the land with the speeding. And then they would even say, praise God. <laughs> Do you really see it as a blessing if it's a mistake like that? Now the method, this, methods described in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 18 to 21 have more to do with frequency and opportunity than with technique. It's really not the technique, it's the consistency. And every time you see the opportunity, a teaching moment, that's when you tackle it. All right? Because there, first, when you're sitting in your home, 
right? Hopefully you're home all the time. That's also a problem for children nowadays because both parents are working, working way too much to the point that they leave their child to be raised by Disney movies or Netflix shows or the neighbor who's an atheist, right? So that's a problem. So hopefully you're at home. Second, when you're out anywhere and when you're taking them out on a walk or you're driving somewhere and you're traveling, you're talking about how good God is and who provided for that vacation and why you even have a car, right? Why you, are you even together? Always talking about how good God has been to your life and to theirs. And thirdly, when you go to bed, when you go to bed, when you tell them, well, let me pray for you. Let me talk about God with you in the dining table. Right? There's always a teaching moment. It has to be frequent. And you have to be living it too. You know, that could be, that could be the most hardest thing. Because not all the time, we, because that's what sin does, correct? You know, Christians, we are saved by grace, not by works. But when we sin, we lose our testimony. We lose our joy. And then the enemy condemns us. Oh, you are not a worthy parent for him and for her. You totally failed. You're a hypocrite. So that's why, that's why it's the biggest challenge of all is to living, to live, living out what we're teaching our children. And then when you rise in the morning, so when you rise in the morning, do you talk about God with your children? Or you talk about the latest Facebook post? Or you talk about your children about, about the bad news that's going around the world? Or do you tell them about, praise God, we had a great, wonderful rest. Don't you agree, son? Praise God, do you have a bed? Don't you know when I was in the Philippines, I didn't even have a bed? <laughs> you know, I mean, there, there should be always a testimony, finding the opening to teach them, not just talking about money, vacation, and things, but talking about who provided with, who the blesser is. Amen? Amen. You know, nighttime prayer. I don't know, parents, have you been praying with your child? I know sometimes they don't want us there anymore. My, my, my son, for one, doesn't really want me there anymore. <laughs> you know, like he'll, he, he'll just report to me what he did. Before, I loved watching him play. And before, he loved us watching him play basketball. Now he'll just give me the highlights, the recap. Dad, man, you should have seen it. I'm like, how could I say you don't, never invite me anymore? Oh, no, 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 on Tuesday. You can watch me on Tuesday. But here, no. And there's... But there's, there's the importance of nighttime praying. When Gianna calls for me, there are times that Gianna still calls me. She goes, Dad, can you please pray for me before I go to sleep? And I'm like, sure. You know, it's like, even if I'm tired already. Because there is that nighttime prayer and the storytelling behind it. Because there has to be a testimony behind that. That's a great way of teaching our children about the Lord. Because... In order for them to be obedient to us, they have to know who the Lord is. Because if they are to obey us in the Lord, they must be in love with the Lord. Because there are many times that probably won't love us, especially during times of, of discipline. Now, 
Everybody knows this verse, everybody that has taken care of a kid, I think, even the youth leaders know this. Train up a child in the way he should, he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now I know a lot, uh, I know many Christian parents that have done a lot of Bible studies with their children, have done a lot of testimonies, everything that I've, I've, I've shared, they've done that, but they would still have a lot of children or their children will still go astray. Now that's no longer our responsibility. Parents, if your child decides to live away from God and His will, that's no longer your responsibility. You cannot make them make a decision as much as you can make anybody else make a decision. But that's when they're older. Right now, while you, they're still young, well, they're still young. If they don't want to come to church, you drag them. Well, I've heard parents, and they'll say, hey, where's, where, where, where's your son? Where's, where's your daughter? Oh, they don't want to come. I'm like, all right. But in my mind, I'm like, what if your child says, I don't want to go to school? I I bet you a hundred bucks. Well, again, another okay time to bet. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I should find a different term. But I bet you that you will not have the same attitude if it's school, right? You will be forceful. Oh, no, you're not going to school. I will take your phone away from you. Oh, there's the discipline, right? Oh, yeah. Because school, man, you know, we don't want to, we want them to have a good grade. We want them to go to college and have that diploma and make all that money. Oh, we want that for them. But when it comes to churches, is it optional? Where's your, where's your child? You know, you know. I mean, you weren't consistent too before. They'll, some people who knew me before, they'll throw that at me. Like, you yourself were going to church all the time before, right? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but we're not talking about me, are we? Talk about you and your son or your daughter. We are to bring them. You know, our, our youth group. Our youth group is right now, consistently, we have four. You know why? I have three of them in my car. <laughs> I have Gianna, I have Mateo, I have Calvin in my car. So that's consistently three. And then Alicia faithfully brings Amanda there, makes it four. But I know we have more than four in this church but the parents the parents are are you know i don't i don't know what else to say i don't know like do you not see the importance of it i guess because if, if you don't see the importance of it then that explains a lot that explains a lot but if you if you see the importance of it like work if you see the importance of work you go to work whether you're sick or not whether it's snowing or not whether you're tired or not you go to work. In school, you bring them to school, whether, whether you're, you're tired or not. You make sure they make it to school. But when it comes to church, when it comes to youth, when it comes to different things, for the Lord, it's optional. Now, parents, the church, this small church, we're not big enough to not have time for your children. We are here willingly wanting to help you raise your children. But at the same time, biblically, you've seen it, it's really not our responsibility to raise your children 
in the Lord. It is really mostly you. It is your responsibility to raise your children. And parents, it is not the grandparents' responsibility either. It's the parents' responsibility to raise your children. Right? And children, your parents want the best for you. That's the only thing that they really want. So you are to obey your parents. And this is the only command with a blessing. If you pray, obey your parents, then it will, be, it will go well for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now at times, at times raising children and working for a living seems hopeless. Do we agree? We're already stressed at work. We're already tired at work. And then we have a very challenging child. That's the last thing we need, right? And that's the last thing we want. Like, oh, I really don't need this right now. I'm tired. I worked overtime. I, 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 I feel with you. I agree with you. But we have to remember that a time when Pharaoh was drowning babies, Moses was the savior of his people, was born. At the time when Jewish children were born in slavery of Babylon, some godly parents raised a young man like Daniel who had made a stand for God. When Herod was murdering all the male children, God's own son and savior of the world was born. No matter how tough the world gets, we can still raise godly kids with his help. We just have to be willing. You don't know what, kind, what plans God has for your children. We all don't know that. Now we all know what we're told. We're told to raise them, right? We are to teach them. We are to bring them to the Lord and to live that. Live it according to what the Word, word has said and live consistently with it as an example for them. No matter how mundane work seems to be, we can still do it us unto the Lord to glorify Him. Amen? Amen, amen. Thank you for your patience. That is our, our message. Our, that's our first part of chapter 6. Next week, we're going to be talking about employees and employers and how we are to treat them. This is how precious the Bible is. It tells us how to be parents. It tells us how to be children. It tells us how to be employees and employers. Amen? Amen. God is good. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your message for us tonight. I pray for all the children here this evening. I pray, Father, that you will just um, open their hearts for change. Change to worship you, change to live for you, change to love you, Father, and change to obey their parents. I pray that the rebellious spirit in, in, in them, Father God, will be, will be beaten by your spirit, by your Holy Spirit. Help them, Father God, see the importance of this. Help them, Lord God, the reality and the need for this, Father. I pray for the parents, Lord God, and the fathers in this room. Father, I pray that you will give them the wisdom to know what to do and what not to do. I pray that you will give them the boldness that no matter what, no matter how difficult, how challenging, how inconvenient to discipline, their children, Lord God, who are straying away from the truth, I pray that you will just give them, give them that boldness and the willingness, Lord God, 
to obey you in order for their children to obey you for your glory and for your salon. I pray for broken relationships, Lord God, that are in the families. I pray that you heal them. I pray that you restore them, Father God, for a better relationship, a relationship that is glorifying to you. I pray for all the families here, Lord God, for protection against the enemy, against the plans of the enemy, against the lies of the enemy. We, Father, we rebuke them in your son's name, Father God. Remove the, the, the attacks in the families, Lord God. Help them. Help the parents, Lord God, live for you. Help the parents, Lord God, be courageous for you. And help the children, Lord God, fall in love with you. All these things we ask in your son's sweet and mighty name. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's all rise for the closing song. And if you have any decisions,